Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Well, it's good to be together, isn't it? It's good to be together in community. It's good to be together. And uh, like we prayed to begin our service, to focus our hearts and minds on the Lord. And uh, I just want to say it's good to be together whether you're in the room whether you're joining us online or whether you're joining us throughout the week. And uh, maybe you know that that happens, uh, that we have, we, we look a little bit different than just those of us who are here in the room. We actually have a pretty good group of people that join us online each week and throughout the week. Uh, and it's important that we recognize and understand that that is how our church family looks. Uh, and that's been the case certainly uh, since the pandemic and after the pandemic. And I mentioned that right off the bat because it's important, especially in the light of what we're looking at today, that we understand all, all of those things. As we continue in our series looking at words and ideas, uh, themes that are really important throughout Scripture, today we're talking about the idea of fellowship. <laughs> fellowship. Now, Pastor Holly and I had a really fun kind of conversation about that this last week, uh, talking about how the word fellowship can sound really churchy. <laughs> Maybe for some of you it brings up, like for me, we, I, we, I asked Holly, I said, so what, like, what are those images that bring, a, bring to mind when you say the word? For me, it was like church potlucks when I was youth, you know? You never know what's going to come, but it's always going to be good. <laughs> and uh, so I don't know what that word brings up for you, uh, but it can be a word that seems really churchy and uh, uh, and maybe um, it's good for us to look at this idea and realize that it is a vital component of our faith and, and the life of the gathered church. It's really important that we understand what it is and why it's important to us. And, and it's important that we recognize we need each other, not just individuals, but the larger context of our church family and community as well. So I also just want to recognize that depending on your personality or maybe uh, the current reality of what you're facing in life, uh, the idea of fellowship uh, can either be wonderful or as in like it really excites you, 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 it gives you life, or maybe it can be more draining. It takes more effort and more energy. I see you introverts. <laughs> One commentator wrote this, I hate fellowship. <laughs> he says, okay, okay, sorry, that sounded harsh. What I mean is I hate small talk. Unfortunately, he said, in most of the churches that I've been in in America, that tends to be the way that we think about fellowship. Now, uh, unfortunately, I think the idea of fellowship for many churches and certainly for people outside of the church maybe looking in, uh, it's lost some of the depth of its meaning for us as we think about this. And even worse than fellowship being only about something like small talk, uh, maybe this rings true to us. This commentator goes actually a bit further when he's talking about his, or the idea of fellowship that he's experienced in uh, some American churches. He said, I gained insight about the American culture of fellowship when I was reading an article about how immigrant pastors process their experience of American churches. A Guatemalan pastor recounts the first time that he went to an American church. The American pastor announced a church event and said, be sure to come, you'll have a blast. And the, Gu the Guatemalan pastor never heard pastors talk like this in Guatemala. 
He found it bewildering, this commentator writes, that, what this, uh, that this was emphasizing the entertainment value of the event and not how one would grow in their faith or connect deeply with other people. And he wrote, I wondered if having a blast was the most important thing for, uh, for Christians in the U.S. <laughs> Woo! Yikes! <laughs> That's kind of tough to hear, isn't it? But I'm making a point, and I want us to. Draw, I want to draw us deeper into understanding what the idea of fellowship is all about, because I think if we're true, if we're honest, that kind of rings true a little bit to us. So the point of today is for us to understand in more depth and reclaim the importance of the idea of fellowship and what it means to us as individuals and our community of, of faith and the the kingdom of God globally. So I want to look at the, what the Bible says about this important idea, and I really am asking that the Spirit speak to us deeply this morning. So I want to talk about a really helpful word that we find in Scripture when it talks about this idea, and then we're going to look at a couple of passages that help us understand the idea of fellowship in a more meaningful way. So the word that is often translated as fellowship uh, in, uh, in, in scripture, translated into English as fellowship, is the word, and you're going you're gonna to be, this will be familiar to you, it's the word koinonia. Does that sound familiar? Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. It comes from the base word that actually means common. Did you know that? It means common. And I love this. This is really helpful. I'll give you a word picture that one commentator I read wrote. It's, it just, Pastor Holly and I were laughing about this uh, word picture as well because it, it, maybe it doesn't bring to mind great things, but actually it's a really helpful way to understand the concept of uh, koinonia. This commentator said this, think of a modern gymnasium locker room. <laughs> Gross, <laughs> but it's helpful. Uh, that, would, that would be described as a, a koinos or koinonia type space. Because it's a common space where many people enter and use the common resources of that space. So that's a helpful kind of way to understand the process of koinonia. Maybe the word picture is kind of stinky, but you know, uh, helpful. Uh, as a noun, uh, as a thing, koinonia means commonness or partnership or shared, sharedness, which isn't really a word, but you get the point, right? Commonness or partner. Our partnership or the idea of, of sharing together. For example, the idea of koinonia was one way of referring to marriage in the, in the uh, first century uh, Christian community. Koinonia was a way of referring to marriage. The idea was that two separate people shared one life together. The idea is that the husband and wife will still maintain separate personal identities, but their lives were so intertwined that they, could, they were considered to be living one life together. That's the idea of koinonia. This is the idea of fellowship, and I hope this is making sense. And if you're like me, maybe you're already making connections about the kind of powerful nature of what it means for us, not only in our life with Christ, but in our life together. The idea of koinonia is that we might be individuals— but in Christ and through community, we live intertwined lives of mutual partnership and even sharing with one another, caring deeply for one another. This is the, this is the foundation of the idea when we talk about fellowship together. There's a, it goes much deeper than just the entertainment value or small talk when we're thinking about it in terms of how, what it means that we follow Jesus together. 
This understanding is so helpful and so powerful when you begin to reread some familiar scriptures with this in mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14 says this. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Think of the, remember, we're, we're thinking of it as the idea of, of living intertwined lives together. That the fellowship, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit be with you all. 1 John 1.3 says, We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship for us as we follow Jesus starts with the, with the radically reformed heart that is deeply connected with God, with God's Spirit. That's, we are in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and that allows us then to be in fellowship with each other in a really significant way. And then we have another passage, which I'm pretty sure we're all fairly familiar with, about the beginning of the church in Acts chapter 2. And I just want you to pay attention to all the times that you hear the word fellowship and the word sharing, which is, which is another, which is a koinonia in this passage as well. Pay attention to all the times you hear the word fellowship and sharing. And this is a primary passage that describes the life of the early church. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. <laughs> It's a lot, right? <laughs> it's a lot of fellowship and a lot of sharing. It's a lot of working to live these kind of deeply connected, intertwined lives together. So, um, <clears throat> this is very helpful as we think about this. So when we talk about fellowship, especially in these terms, we should not be talking only about fun social gatherings or get-to-know-you events. Now, I will say those are important, so I'm not trying to discount those or, or demean those at all. Those are important, especially in the context of how our society works. We actually structure some of what we do here very intentionally to be those kind of initial connection, those initial relational connection points. Those are important. But our goal, especially as we follow Jesus uh, and grow in our discipleship to Jesus is to move from get to know you or fun social gatherings only to the true and necessary fellowship of sharing with each other, living intertwined lives, of partnership, care, participation, generosity with each other. All of those words are associated in scripture with the idea of fellowship. Powerful type things. One author said this, Maybe it would be better if uh, we would be better off calling it Christian partnership or Christian community or Christian sharing. None of those sound exactly like koinonia, but they get a lot closer. Paul, especially Paul, was very passionate about koinonia. We see it all over his writings. In fact, he assumed it was an essential ingredient of the Christian life. 
So we see this all throughout Scripture. This is wonderful. So in the Old Testament, if we define fellowship as living life together, sharing in common uh, this, the, the essence of Israel's life with God was a reflection of that. Living intertwined lives depending on each other uh, together. The, Israel's relationship with God, um, that's what covenant life with God was all about. It was about mutual trust, It was about risky involvement, (laughs) trust so much that it felt risky from the people toward God, and all those things that come with turning toward each other, living intertwined lives. This is the idea of fellowship. There are many examples that we could cite in the Old Testament about what this looks like. Uh, There are times when the scriptures tell us of how God was in communion or had fellowship with individuals, but also that his presence was literally in the middle of the people. We've talked about this a little bit before, but think, for example, about the tabernacle in the Old Testament, or later the temple. The tabernacle, as it traveled with people, right, the tent of God's presence, it was literally put in the middle of their society, in the middle, and they'd put all their tents around it. So uh, God's presence, the people were ordering their lives, uh, ordering their community, sharing their identity around God's presence in their very midst, living an intertwined life with God and with each other. Pretty cool. It's a a pretty significant way of looking at and understanding the idea of fellowship. There's another example, I think one that drives home the idea from the Old Testament, and it's very practical actually. I thought this was a really cool insight, and it was how the Israelites in the desert had to rely on God for everything, even their provision of daily food. Manna from heaven. Do you remember that story? But one author put it this, he had this great insight about it. He said this, There was just enough manna for each person to have one portion. If any one person took a little too too much, someone else would go hungry. Why would God send so little manna? Certainly it was so that they could trust him on a daily basis, but it was also so that they could learn to care well for each other. There was always the temptation to take just a tad bit more, (laughs) right? You ever felt that temptation? Uh, just in case, but they had to learn the lesson, the part of fellowship, being part of a sharing community. It's not just giving, but also making sure not to take more than you need. This was a significant life-shaping lesson in community care, respect, love, and fellowship in the desert. Pretty incredible. Think about the impact that your actions have on other people, especially in the context of that story, the idea of caring well for each other, sharing what we have, for everyone. So as we look toward the New Testament, we move from fellowship with God looking like something like his presence in a tent in the middle of their community to his living, active spirit in the heart of every believer and in his church. We've talked about that before. And it's an incredible way that God moves his presence into each of us and into our communities. As a result of Christ's finished work on the cross, God now makes his permanent home in the heart of every believer, in your heart. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) We have been invited into fellowship, living an intertwined life with God uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9, it says that God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says and he has invited you into partnership into koinonia with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
So God is living and active in your heart and he's invited you into partnership with, for his will in your, in your area, where you live, in your town, in your city, in Snohomish, in this world for this time. We've talked about this before too, that we now get to be, we get the, the, the wonderful blessing of being the hands and feet of Jesus. Living an intertwined life with his spirit and he's called us into partnership. Woo, what a chore. <laughs> We need each other, don't we? We need our church community. So the, uh, the, the fellowship which now exists is nothing less than the vital, spiritually intertwined lives of each of us with the Spirit of God and each other. This is fellowship. So this has massive effect on how we should relate to each other, right? And the world around us. The gospel restores fellowship not only with God, but among believers themselves. And one, a really cool way, uh, or cool letter that we get in scripture that kind of talks about this is Philippians. I love Philippians. In fact, uh, Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 11, that's like the earliest section of scripture that I can remember memorizing word for word. We did it in youth group, and I, I'm not sure that I could do it word for word now, but all I, I know I did it, and I have a deep love for it. <laughs> so Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, look at what Paul writes here. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, or do you have encouragement from your relationship with Christ? Do you have comfort from his love? Do you have fellowship together with the Spirit? Remember how we understand fellowship. Do you have, are you living an intertwined life with the Spirit of God? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. He's outlining what koinonia looks like for each of us. Don't be selfish, he said. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Okay, Paul, <laughs> we hear the call. We know it's tough, but we're, we're in for it. Paul reminds the Philippians that, that of their first joy and love when they received the gospel, that they had experienced encouragement in Jesus, that they had experienced comfort in God's love, fellowship of the Spirit, which means something like a deep and transforming presence of, of, of companionship with God's Spirit. That's what our life is like when we say yes to Jesus. So they came to share life with God through the Spirit, to share life with each other, and it brought unspeakable love and peace. Maybe like you'd, you would think isn't possible in a, in a world like ours. This image that Paul has in mind is of separate people joining together as one unit, walking lockstep with the Spirit and with each other. And what we have just read in chapter 2, he calls them to be of the same mind, having the same love and agreeing wholeheartedly and working together with one mind and one purpose. The fellowship of the Spirit that connects us so deeply. This is incredible stuff. It's the fellowship of this spirit that unites us together as individuals here in this place, but also all over the world. It's, and I'm sure Kevin and, and others could, could tell of what it's like when you encounter people who are following Jesus in different parts of the world. There's, I, I, there's a mutual love 
I, I, my, the most recent trip in, in Taiwan, it, I got to meet so many incredible people and there's this one moment that I'll never forget where I'm standing in the back of the room and they're, they're uh, beginning their business meeting. The first thing that they do is they all stand up and they sing, right? They sing in a language I don't understand, but I, I hear the music and I sense the spirit moving and I said, these are my brothers, these are my sisters, in Christ, we're united together as family and in the work that we're attempting to do, fellow pastors and leaders. It's incredible. <laughs> That's true of all of us in this room. We are connected deeply that way, but we're connected with the family of God across the world and throughout time because of the uniting spirit of God. And it makes a difference in how we understand ourselves and how we, uh, how we choose to act together. One more time, I want to read, uh, I want to remind us of Luke's breathtaking depiction of Christian fellowship in the early church. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all, them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they have, they had. They sold the property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So I hope that you're inspired by what we're talking about, this idea of fellowship and the deeply living, deeply interconnected, intertwined lives spiritually, but it goes beyond that as well. We need to be caring for each other spiritually and helping each other, encouraging each other in faith. But we also need to be caring well for each other on all, a lot of other levels, right? Emotionally and, and relationally. And even here, we see in the early church, they helped each other practically with their stuff. <laughs> Pastor Holly and I had this great conversation about thinking about what we have not as ours, but as gift, gifts from the Lord that we could use, that we should use for the benefit of other people. I don't want to loan my car to anyone to drive, right? <laughs> but maybe I should think about it differently. Just one example. One commentator said this. As, as Paul's writing this here that you see on the screen, he's saying, and I can assure you, he didn't have bocce ball on the church lawn in mind when he wrote this. <laughs> Actually, if you consider uh, a reading, Luke clarifies, or if you continue reading, uh, Luke clarifies what he means by fellowship a few verses later in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. He said, all the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. This kind of pushes us a little bit to understand fellowship. It is, it is a spiritual relationship, but it goes beyond that as well. And that's where the rubber meets the road kind of hard thing, maybe as we think about this. Whatever else the church does, worship, teaching, and service, Luke makes it clear, especially, uh, the, Luke makes it clear that it is especially a place of sharing and caring for one another. That's one thing that the church has to do that. <laughs> We have to do that. We have to do that well. And so that's the push for this morning. The church wasn't and isn't a privatized worship experience for spectators. It was and is a place of active engagement with one another where we recognize that as we walk in step with God, uh, 
we, we need to walk in step with each other too. So important. So fellowship is this crazy notion that I might actually have more when I radically care for and share with someone else something that I need. <laughs> you ever thought about that? <laughs> Fellowship goes beyond mere social interaction or superficial relationships. It reflects a deep spiritual bond and a unity among believers that grows through our connection with God and our care for one another. What does this look like in your life? How are you caring for someone else? How are you caring for, maybe even in a sacrificial way, caring for someone else? None of us can do life alone. None of us can do faith alone. We need each other. We need to encourage each other. We need help. Uh, we, we need help from each other, right? We need help uh, when, when life gets hard and we, want, we need someone to walk with us, come alongside when it's hard. We need a shoulder to cry on. Sometimes we need someone to tell us to stop it. <laughs> In love, of course. <laughs> Sometimes we, uh, like the early church did, we actually need to share our stuff as we care for one another. All of this is done because Christ did it first for us and calls us to live in a way that reflects his nature. So how is this happening in your life? How are, how are you doing that here with our church family and what that looks like? And how are you doing that for others in your life? Whether it's neighbors or coworkers or people in your neighborhood, what does that look like? We have uh, part of our, our, our discipleship pathway. The third step here is connecting with others. We recognize that this is a key part of what it means to follow Jesus. The language that we use is this question, are we making space in our life for close personal relationships that help us become more like Jesus? How are we care- connecting with one another and caring deeply for one another? It's important. And I just want to end this whole thing by making it real practical. Uh, this really touched me, and you'll see why in a moment, because it's like right at the same life stage as, as my wife and family are, and I are. Uh, but uh, sometimes I recognize the, these ideas can be big and lofty, but it can be very helpful to bring it down into the practical. So this does that. So we're going to, worship team, would you come on back up, and uh, I'm going to read this, and then we'll pray together, and, and uh, hopefully the Lord is speaking to you about this idea of fellowship. This author wrote this. I'm at an age and life stage where my kiddos are all in sports. See, that line just caught me immediately because that's so true of our family. Uh, I'm at an age and a life stage when my kiddos are all in sports and sometimes more than one sport at a time for us at the same time. It's crazy, like three things happening at the same time in three different areas. There's only two of us. Anyway, so he writes, I work during the day and then my wife and I drive them around in the evening. One of my lifelines is my neighborhood carpool. There's a constant exchange of texts between parents about pickups and locations and drop-offs. It's an inter- it's, it is interesting to me how I can miss a Sunday at church and everything is fine. Maybe people hardly even seem to notice. But if my carpool partner is unavailable, it completely wrecks my life. <laughs> or perhaps to put it another way around, when my kids' sports carpool, uh, with my kids' sports carpool community, We share life in such a way that they live life with me and my family and I with theirs, and we are all deeply uh, and constantly aware of our our desperate need for one another. What if church was actually like that? 
where instead of saying, I need a break from church because I'm busy, or, I, or, or you might actually say, I can't wait until Sunday because those people take care of me so well. And lest we think of taking care of each other as primarily spiritual or emotional or religious, uh, it is that all of those things. Uh, read Acts 2 again. They literally took care of each other like my carpool does. Imagine that. What a great way for us to take this idea and make it really practical. It's deeply personal. It's deeply spiritual. We need to care well for each other, for those who are suffering and hurting in our midst. And sometimes it can be really practical too, like joining a carpool <laughs> and helping someone out in need, sharing what we have. There's a lot of levels in ref- of, of reflection for us as we think about this. So I just want to invite you this week Think about what this looks like in your life. Maybe spend some time talking at home with your family. How is it that we are joining in fellowship at Crossview? How is it that we're, we're joining in fellowship with others in our lives? What does that look like? Is there more we could do? Lord, lead us as we have these conversations. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.